have to go to basic training. Frankly, Fort Polk was a hellhole in the middle of Louisiana. And so it was humid, I'm guessing. It was humid. It was isolated. It was in 1964 in the Deep South. I, mean, I was Jewish. I'm from New York. It just wasn't a place that I really wanted to be. When the opportunity arose, my dad looked to Vietnam as an escape. If it gets me out of here, sign me up. Now, this is early 1965. Vietnam was basically just a name of a place. Dad suspected that Vietnam was going to be a bigger deal than the army was letting on. His unit was setting up to supply 100,000 soldiers, hardly the size of a casual patrol. But aside from his truck getting shot at during resupply runs, he never saw much action. Instead, as often happens with my dad, the war came to be about food. One day, an ice cream barge shows up in the middle of Canmount Bay. The army, for some reason, decided that we needed ice cream. I mean, they wanted to send you a treat. We had a five-man detachment who learned how to make ice cream on the barge. And they sat out in the middle of the bay. Every Saturday, we would go out and pick up all the ice cream they made, bring it in on the truck, and hand out these three-gallon tubs of ice cream, and guys would come to the beach with their spoons, <laughs> and they'd sit there eating the ice cream. What kind of It was mostly uh, chocolate, vanilla, some strawberry. I'm sure that was nice. Yeah, except at 120 degrees, you had to eat pretty fast. Yeah. It didn't last long, because there was no real refrigeration. What we needed ice cream for, I can't tell you to this day <laughs> why we got it. But we got it. As General George S. Patton, old blood and guts, once said, accept the challenges of supplying ice cream now so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. What, what did you do when you got back? The Vietnam War was, as you know, even early on was very unpopular. Yeah. When the soldiers came back, they were shunned. They were cursed. You know, they were called names baby killer and everything else. It was not like it is today. I mean, uh, nobody greeted you at the airport and said, thank you for your service. The first thing you did when you came back was basically take off your uniform because you were a target. I mean, it was, it, we were proud of what we did, but the people weren't proud of us for what we did. It was the late 60s, political tensions were running high and the government was not equipped to deal with thousands of injured and traumatized young men returning from a crazy and unjust war. You know, when I came home, they flew me to Oakland from Saigon. They bused me to uh, the Oakland Army base where I was given my discharge papers. And they said, okay, now you're a civilian. All in, in the space of a day. You go from Vietnam, whatever that situation was, whatever your psychological profile over there was. And then they just like throw you into the world. And they throw you back into Saigon. Here you are. I mean, there was no one-week briefing, no, uh, no help. adjustment period, no help, nothing. And it was bad. My dad was lucky. He suffered no serious injuries, had a family and a career, and enjoyed a successful adulthood. But his experience was hardly typical of Vietnam vets. I mean, today they have counseling and they try. At that time, they just didn't even try. Things have gotten better since then, but vets still need help. To show Elijah exactly how much help they need, I took him to Colleen, Texas, home of the Fort Hood military base, a company town, 
where thousands of veterans are just trying to get through the day. On a Saturday morning in Colleen, there was a long line at the storefront of Operation Phantom Support. It snaked inside through the thrift store and into the back. Volunteers, who are also clients, packed up heavy bags of groceries. Operation Phantom Support is run by John Valentine, a veteran of Panama and Afghanistan. You know, young soldiers, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, they come into the military, they get a paycheck. It's the first time in their life they've had that, so they don't really know how to do it yet, so they make mistakes. And to be honest with you, most soldiers don't budget their food bill monthly. It's more pay the electric bill, pay the phone bill, pay the rent, pay the... And then also, oh, we only got 80 bucks left and still ain't got no food. Do you think there's a way that, like, the military could help people, like, learn how to spend that money? They do. It's a great question, Elijah. And, and the thing about it is, is the Army has what they call command financial specialists in each unit. They try to educate the soldiers a little bit more about how they spend...